Well, welcome to West Hill Baptist Church. We are so grateful and so thankful that each and every one of you are here today. And we are just, we are just beyond thankful for the privilege that we have to worship our Savior here together and online. So if you're watching online, thanks for tuning in today. We are just... It is a wonderful day to serve the Lord and to sing to the Lord. If you are a first-time visitor or a guest, we are so thankful for you. And we would love to meet you and answer any questions that we can about our church. My name is Zach. I have the great privilege of being the senior pastor here. And if I haven't met you, I would love to meet you at some point today. We're going to sing some songs together. We're going to start a brand new series today. And we're looking forward to what God has for our church in this season. And so if you would, stand with me as we pray and as we kick off our service singing straight from the book of Psalms. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for the honor and for the privilege that we have to worship you, to sing praises to your name. God, we are grateful for your presence that is in this place. Lord, we are grateful and thankful for your son, Jesus, who came to this earth, lived the life that we couldn't, set the greatest example for us, and gave us something to live for. And we sing for his glory and for his honor. And we live, we should strive to live for his honor and his glory as well. And we're just grateful and thankful today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Thank you for singing praises to our God this morning. We're going to read responsibly, responsively and responsibly <laughs> from God's word this morning in Psalm 62. Uh, beginning with the first verse, I'll begin and then uh, you respond. To the choir master, according to Jeduthun, a psalm of David, verse 1. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And then uh, down to verse 5 through 8. For God alone... O my soul, wait in silence, for my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. That wonderful word, Selah. Think, meditate upon these things. Give heart to these things in mind. Let's pray. Father, as we read the word of God, we call out to you, our God alone. There is no other God but you. You stand as almighty God of all creation. You are Lord over all the kings of the earth. You are the sovereign master of all. We can trust you. In these anxious times of upheaval in our own hearts, in our minds, in our country, in our church, in our families, uh, Lord, we come to you as our rock, as our God. It is only from you that our salvation comes. We cannot find it in ourselves or anywhere else. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, be our rock. Help us. Give us grace that we might have faith every day to stand upon the rock of our almighty God, not only for our salvation, but as our fortress so that we might not be shaken in our faith. Lord, may our faith be firm because it rests upon you and your promises. Lord, help our souls to wait in silence when we rage on the inside, when we are tempted to be angry and to speak out of turn, when we, Lord, uh, become so fearful. Help us to wait in silence and find our hope alone in you. Why? Because you alone are our rock and salvation once again. You are our fortress. We can hide within you. We give you the glory and we thank you that right now those who belong to you are kept within this fortress and we shall not be shaken. Help us to rest in your salvation, to rest in your glorious name and your power and be our refuge. Help us to trust you at all times and pour our hearts out before you. God, hear our prayers. There are many concerns and cares and anxieties and fears among us today. Many hurts. May we pour them out before you and find in you a refuge and a firm place. We give you all the glory and we offer you the remainder of this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Good morning, and welcome to West Hill Baptist Church. 
My name is Joseph Bremenar, and I am so excited that you decided to join with us today. We have a few things going on here at the church, so we'd like to take a minute, let you know of some ways you can get involved. So check this out. Over the next few weeks, West Hill is accepting nominations for deacon and trustee. People in these positions are very important to our church. A trustee helps oversee church finances and facilities. A deacon, according to qualifications found in scripture, helps meet physical needs within our church body and supports its staff. You can submit your nomination at mywhbc.com. Every mom needs encouragement, community, and courage. Birds on a Wire invites you to the 2020 SOAR Conference. It's a simulcast conference held right here at West Hill on Saturday, October 24th. You can get more information and register at mywhbc.com. Every one of us needs community. It's how we're wired. And let's be honest, we all need fun too. That's where our family fun night comes in. On Sunday evening, October 25th, we'll have food, games, inflatables, and more. Bring your family and friends for a night of fun. Thanks again for joining with us today. We truly believe that you are here for a reason. If you missed any of our sermons or would like to get more connected with our church, visit mywhbc.com. It is my prayer that as we listen to the message, God will reveal to us who he is and how we are to live for him, that he might be glorified through us today. to the announcements. If you are unable to make your officer nominations, and you'll see this printed in your bulletin as well, and you can remind other church members, but if you are unable to make your nominations digitally, in other words, over a smartphone or a tablet or your computer, please feel free to call in to the office and make your nomination that way. We would appreciate that. Please be prayerful about this process as we obviously want the Holy Spirit to be uh, leading us in this very important decision concerning the lay leadership of our church as we look forward. Let's uh, remain seated as Rachel leads us in this next wonderful song. It's been a few months since we've sung it together. Uh, This is my dwelling place. God is our dwelling place. My dwelling place is God most high, my refuge and my fortress. When plague and pestilence draw nigh, I'm hidden in his presence. When terrors fall and arrows fly, his shield will be my savior. When stones across my pathway lie, on angels' wings I'm carried. My dwelling place is God most high, a present help in day. I rest secure in love's pure light Beneath my master's favor He freed me from the fowler's 
the circumstances in our lives. Do you have some circumstances in your lives? Yes? Are you troubled about any matter at all this morning as we gather for worship? If you're like me, you have a lot of cares on your heart and mind. But when we place our feet on the rock of Jesus Christ, that's a personal relationship with him. When we trust him all day, every day, we acknowledge him in all of our ways and we're not anxious, but we pray and trust him and give thanks, then it is truly well with our souls.
5 is where we're going to be together. We're starting a brand new series this morning called Disciplines. And as I've mentioned several times this year in the last couple of weeks, our theme, as many of you know and remember, is Reflect. That we are striving to observe the example of Jesus and then imitate, imitate, imitate the heart behind those actions. Hopefully I'll get my, my tongue untwisted this morning. But the hope and the purpose of this series is to actually spend some time observing the example of Jesus by looking at some of the disciplines that he had and then looking at how we can imitate those disciplines in our daily lives. That there is so much practical wisdom wound up in the person of Jesus Christ. And we, both as believers and humans, need to study his example and see who he was. And I'm excited to share this morning on our topic. We're going to read a fairly large section of scripture, but we're going to focus in on one verse and one main idea from this text. So if you're there in Luke 5, we'll begin reading together in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priests and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now, even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. And this is our focus verse, verse 16. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful for the great honor and the great privilege that we have to have a copy of your word in our hands. That we don't have to wonder what it looks like to follow you, that we don't have to wonder what it is that you did while you were here on this earth. You have given us your word. You have given us your example. You have given us your heart in your word. And so God, I pray that as we study your word this morning, that you would open eyes, Lord, that you would open hearts, that you would, that you would use your word to 
to pierce hearts today, that we would be challenged in this very, very simple topic to follow you and to follow your lead and your example. We're thankful for Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, as I get older, I find myself often being overwhelmed or at great odds is a better way to say it. I find myself at great odds with what's going on around me. I'm easily overstimulated. I, I, I get overwhelmed by the constant flow of voices and the volume of those voices and the, the amount and the volume of information that is coming at me in our culture. So many people are sharing their opinions. So many new technologies are being released. The media and all of the drama that it is constantly creating in our culture. Politics, social justice, the economy, vaccines, health care, avoiding processed foods in our diet, you name it. All of these things, all of these things, all of the things that we're told that, that we've been doing wrong and we need to do right, it can just overwhelm me so fast. Here's how you should vote. Here's what you should wear. Here's the restaurants you should and should not go to. Buy this new product and it's going to change your life, guaranteed, for five easy payments of $19.95. But it feels like I'm being crushed at times. And when that feeling hits, I don't know if you're like me, but I struggle to find a way out of those feelings easily. My brain just seems to struggle to catch up with processing all that is going on in this world. I have learned that I am a person who needs some time alone. I need some time away from all the noise. And so I'm going to blow my own punchline by letting you know now that, that you need the same thing. We all need time away from the chaos and the noise of life. And our Savior, Jesus, knew that best. He modeled it for us. Times of silence and solitude, though, they just never seem to happen. They're never just going to happen in our lives. And I'm sure you're right there with me. I'm sure that, that you'd admit that, the, that times of solitude don't just accidentally pop up in the rhythm of your day. I'm sure you feel the same tension from time to time, even if you haven't given it a place of thought in your life. But we all live in this crowded, noisy world. We're probably all in this room feeling overwhelmed by the sheer number of legitimate things that are going on in, in all of our lives. We all have this stuff, and it's, and it's not always bad stuff. I know that's what we seem to hear in church so often, that it's all, just, it's all bad, that there's nothing good going on, that, that, that the noise doesn't have to equal terrible or bad or sinful. I mean, there are things like taking the kids to practice, school, cooking food, going to the grocery, mowing the lawn, cleaning the house, uh, making lunches, grocery shopping, buying the growing boy in your house pants every two weeks, it seems like. <laughs> Finding sales, trying to be a good friend, finishing that stack of books that you've, that's been staring at you for the last several months, serving at church. Those are all good things. They're not bad things. 
It's not always the bad that's to blame. But I think based on what we see in the example of Jesus, a mental, physical, and spiritual break from all of it is healthy and it's needed. Jesus knew something that we all know. But he wasn't, but he was diligent to make changes and do what we won't often make a priority in our lives. So here's one of the kickbacks that some have against this topic of silence and solitude. But what about the extroverts? You know, we need community. We need to be in, in a, in, we need to party all the time, right? I mean, you know who, you know who you are. And you're right. We do need community. We have to remember that prioritizing something like silence and solitude in our lives doesn't equal a call to solitary living. We're not asking, and Jesus is not asking for you to, to, to go live in a monastery as a monk for the rest of your life in silence. It isn't either or, it's, it's both and. And not to stereotype any ages here this morning, but I want you to humor me in a brief social experiment. Uh, raise your hand if you don't know what FOMO means. Don't be shy. I, I know there's more than one. Okay, so there's a few of you. Okay. All right. Well, FOMO stands for the fear of missing out. It's fear of missing out on, on something someone else is experiencing around you. It's a millennial phrase, if you didn't know. And it's often the reasoning why millennials will peel themselves off of couches when they really don't want to. Uh, it's why we will pay to go to a restaurant we really don't like to be with people we really do like. We don't want to miss anything. We want to be together. But if we're being honest, we could afford to miss some things. There, is, there are some news reports that we can go without. All gossip, we, yeah, amen, thank you. Uh, all gossip, we don't need to hear. But silence, prayer, and time given to allow ourselves to hear from the Lord are really important. Yet, we don't give them equal significance to these other things in our lives. You see, times of solitude and silence can often bring vision to our life, direction in a given circumstance that we may find ourselves in, or clarity about a, a decision that we need to make. And we're going to see all of those things in the example of Jesus. But before we dive into our verse and several other verses this morning, I'd like to define solitude so they're all using the same working definition. What is solitude? Well, according to the dictionary, solitude is the state or situation of being alone. The Greek word that is used here in our text in Luke is the Greek word eramos, and it means a solitary, lonely, desolate, or uninhabited place. That solitude is simply a discipline of being alone. Spiritually, it's something that we cultivate inside ourselves that helps us draw closer to God, hear his voice, and in those moments, we can also draw close to him in prayer. It also can help us process all of the things that I mentioned a few moments ago with wisdom. And so Jesus, as we can see, he makes solitude a huge part of his life. There in verse 16, it's on the screen. But he would withdraw to desolate places. What's real interesting to note is Jesus felt the same emotions that we do. 
Jesus felt the same things that I do, that you do. He was always surrounded by people. He was always surrounded by, by voices. He was surrounded by requests and complaints. And over and over again, the Bible tells us that, that the crowds would often be so large that he would have to escape these, these crowds. He would have to leave. Or he would often float out on the lake on a boat because they were so large. He was doing a great work. He was doing a work that people wanted to see and they wanted to experience. It was the right kind of FOMO. It was the right kind of fear of missing out. Some of these onlookers that we see in the New Testament, they they eventually became believers and followers, but some of them were his greatest enemies and detractors. The Pharisees were always after him. If you've noticed that, they wouldn't let him go. They were always on his back. They were talking about him, pitting other people against him, trying to trip him up. He knew all about distractions. But he also knew what he needed to get through those seasons in his life. Because Jesus was doing something significant. Jesus was doing a great work. But it wasn't just a great work. It was the work that his father had sent him to this earth to do. And Jesus was faithful to serve, and he was faithful to love people. He healed the sick. He made the lame walk. He raised the dead back to life. Jesus was an extremely busy person by today's standards. It wasn't just bad things, though, that he was escaping from. He was doing good things. The work. Of the Father. In Matthew 14, it says, After he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. There are so many reasons why Jesus needed this time away. He often got away because he was trying to process emotions. After he heard that John the Baptist had been had been killed in Matthew 14, he writes, Now when, he, when Jesus had heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. When Lazarus, di- Lazarus died, we see that Jesus had emotions. He wept. Jesus had emotions. Don't think that he didn't. Don't feel bad when you have emotions and emotional moments. He felt things. He felt things deeply. He had a very human body to go with his divine being. We also see in the New Testament that He would go seek wisdom from the Father, and he would get get away alone when he had a big decision to make. Just over in Luke chapter 6, he says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and at night he prayed all night in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them twelve whom he named apostles. Jesus got away in silence and solitude to pray and to seek the will of the Father before he even picked his ministry team, before he picked his inner circle. He got away and spent some time away from all the voices. It was during these times that he was in prayer and seeking the will of his Father. And then he would act on that leading in his life. We also see that he would get away to rest. In Mark chapter 6, he says to the disciples, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So Jesus had emotions, but Jesus also got tired. Jesus got hungry. 
He was working so hard that he and his disciples, they couldn't even find time to have a meal. Some of you know that feeling. The moms in the room know that feeling very much. Jesus led his disciples into this practice of solitude. And he wants to teach us as well. We also see that while suffering was approaching, he would prepare himself in silence. That before, before deep times of, of, dis, of emotional despair, before pain, he would withdraw during those times and even before those times. In Mark 14, it says that when they went to the place called Gethsemane, he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible that the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you would will. That one always makes me stop for just a minute and think. He didn't, in his humanity, he didn't want to go to the cross. But in this quiet space, his heart was not quiet. He was overcome by, by such enormous grief, but he still knew what his job was, and he still knew what his mission was on this earth, and he came to fulfill that. But that doesn't mean that he was skipping and, and, and eating Skittles on his way to that place. It was painful. It was hard. Although Jesus was God in the flesh, he still needed time away from all of the noise. He knew that in order to be fully submitted to the Father, he needed to be able to hear his voice. And in order to hear his voice, he needed time to be alone. Prayer was almost always a part of these times. And it was during these moments that he would be able to, to hear from the Father and then get perspective on what came next. The Bible says so much about this topic of silence. And I'm going to read a few of those verses to you this morning in Matthew 6, he says, But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Mark 1.35, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. In our verses that we just read a few moments ago in Psalm 62, the psalmist David writes, For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. For God alone, O oh my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be shaken. On God rests my salvation and my glory. My mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Zephaniah 1.7, be silent before the Lord our God. Zechariah 2.13, be silent all flesh before the Lord. Those are just a few of the verses that teach that we need to find and we need to be sitting in silence and waiting on the Lord. That's what we really need. We need more of him and less of us, as John 3.30 tells us. We need more of his voice and less of our own voice and definitely less of others' voices in our lives. You see, solitude promotes spiritual health. Jesus was disciplined in his pursuit of silence and solitude. 
I would say that we should listen to what Jesus has done. That if Jesus needed it, I would say we need it as well. That no one in this room is more capable of of handling all of their business and all of their drama than Jesus was. That none of us in the room have a greater work to do in this life than what Jesus came to do. Yet, he took time to be alone and in silence. And we should follow that example. Earlier I read that, that Jesus withdrew from the crowd and and his disciples when he was processing distress and grief. And I'm not sure what, what your summer has looked like, but it might be the worst summer ever in history, maybe. I don't know if you've been paying attention to all that's going on right now in our world, but I can imagine that due to various situations, we've all experienced heartache, We've all experienced fear and uncertainty, loss of security, loss of friendships, emotional turmoil, sleepless nights, health issues, you name it. We've all experienced it this year, probably all of them this year. And I can't think of a more significant time in our culture when it would possibly benefit God's people more to have a discipline of solitude in our lives than right now. We'll be able to better process a lot of the things that are going on in our world when we silence the noise just a little bit. So what are the benefits of solitude? There's a lot. And I'm always careful to do this. I'm always careful to connect any spiritual idea with with psychology and any worldview that's outside of the Christian faith. But as we consider the reality of the scientific studies that have been done that relate to knowing more about the brain that God gave us as humans, I think there's still some benefit in knowing how we are affected by certain situations. And there's been a lot of studies done about solitude in our world. So Sherry Carter, a secular psychologist, says this about solitude and about its benefits in our lives. Solitude allows you to reboot your brain and unwind. Solitude helps to improve concentration and increase productivity. Solitude provides time for you to think deeply. Solitude helps you work through problems more effectively. And solitude can enhance the quality of your relationships with others. So we should learn to practice solitude as a spiritual discipline in our lives. Spiritual disciplines are things that we, they're things that we do, things that are important to require of ourselves for our spiritual benefit and our spiritual good. These disciplines are not just things that we might possibly consider doing one day. They are things that we should begin cultivating right away. They are actions that we should commit to putting into practice. So, how can we practice and what actions can help us when it comes to this issue of silence and solitude in our lives? Well, I think it starts with simply just identifying and finding a place or deciding a time to experience solitude like Jesus did. You, can, you can't really experience this with other people or with a bunch of noise. The whole point of aloneness is important. This could be a room in your house. It could be a closet. Maybe it's a bike path or a long drive in your car with no device or music or just a simple walk around your property, all of this without a phone or any other distractions. Try to have moments with no words at all. 
That will be easier for some of you than for others. You talk to yourself. You talk to everybody. You're just always talking. I know some people are really going to struggle with that one. Words just don't stop coming out. How long, though? And I want you to think about this. How long has it been since you really sat in silence? No words, no text messages, no work. And I've talked to people who are extremely uncomfortable with this idea of total, complete silence. And maybe that's you. Maybe it's, maybe it's very hard for you to sit by yourself and, and the Lord with no words and no texts and no emails to check or no social media to check in on. That can be hard for so many of us. And if you do feel that way, I have bad news for you. We're about to practice together. Like, like now, here in just a minute. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, we are going to probably do one of the most awkward things we've done in church in a long time. So what I want you to do is if your phone's in your hand or in your pocket vibrating every 20 seconds, I'd like you to just slip it out, put it on the floor underneath you. I'd like you to just sit up straight, close your eyes, and here in a second I'm going to set a timer for 60 seconds, and we're going to practice silence and solitude together. Now, I'm going to be up front and tell you that you're going to go through different phases of discomfort, starting with feeling self-conscious, moving to this silent self-awareness, and then hopefully it's going to end with this calming spirit. You're going to wish it would never end, maybe. So just try to feel comfortable with this. And so I'm going to set my timer, and we're going to, we're going to practice silence and solitude right now. You ready? Okay. Let me find out what time it is. All right. Here we go. Starting now. We are done. And some of you thought that would never end. So how did you feel? How did that feel? Did that feel awkward? Did it feel pointless? Was it refreshing? <laughs> some of you are saying inside your head right now, that was great. And I bet you're the introvert in the room this morning. Find a quiet place. Find some space in your calendar and in your schedule and get away for some significant periods of time to be alone and in silence, to refocus. I've done some reading over the years about life planning. Almost all of those resources, as I read them, include things like silence and solitude in the rhythms of life planning. I think it's a shame that even secular worldviews are wise enough to know that solitude and silence are essential for our physical, spiritual, and emotional health. They don't even know 
that they're following the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as they're trying to encourage people to do these things. So what will it take for Christians? What will it take for us to understand its importance as well? Maybe solitude means taking a walk during your lunch break just alone, with no device. Or sitting alone on your porch in the morning, alone, before you read your Bible and drink a cup of coffee. Some people have even gone as far as to getting away for a spiritual retreat for a week long. Now that may seem really unrealistic to most of us in the room, but many of the spiritual giants that we read about in history, the greatest movings of revival, have come after seasons of silence and solitude. Personal retreats for silence, for prayer, and for reading and drawing close to the Lord. You see, Jesus is the example. And when we admit that we don't always know what's best for us, we can look to him for how we can keep ourselves spiritually and emotionally healthy. And we're going to talk about this more in the weeks to come as we identify some of these disciplines in the life of our Savior and how they will always work out for our best and for our good. And so as we close this morning, I want you to consider just a few simple questions. The first question is, do you have times of silence and solitude in the rhythm of your day? Do you have any silence in your day? And the second question is, would you be willing to commit to making this a discipline in your life? So do you have any moments of silence and solitude in your day, in your week, in your month? And would you commit to making this a discipline if it's not? Because i got to admit, this has not been a discipline in my life. But it's something that I want to commit to making a discipline in my life. But here's one promise. It's not just going to happen. So that's your homework this week. Be very intentional in setting aside a time and a place for silence and solitude. And then in that moment, quiet the noise, quiet the voices, and listen for the Holy Spirit's guidance in your heart and in your life. Ask God to show you what changes you need to make in your life to be, and, and to be able to incorporate this into your rhythms and be mindful of it. And maybe that looks like less time on social media or less time with a device in your hand or less time on Netflix, more time outside. It's just organizing your life in such a way that you have mental space freed up to make this happen. Listen, God is, God is very good at showing us areas that we need the most work. So ask him to meet you there and to show you where you are and to help you make the first step. I would be willing to promise that you're going to be healthier for it. And you can follow Jesus and his example along the way. And there's no, nothing better to do than that. Solitude promotes spiritual health. If you would bow your head and close your eyes for just a minute. I want to take a moment before we finish our time together to speak to anyone in the room that does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know what it means to be 
a follower of Jesus. And we want you to know that you can know him today. And we're not going to ask you to do anything in this moment, but what I would ask you to do is to think about Jesus and think about your life. Do you have that time in your life where you have heard what is called the gospel and where you've heard that this life is not all that there is, that there is an eternity waiting for us and that everyone is going to spend an eternity somewhere, whether that is in heaven or whether that is in hell. And maybe you've never heard that the only way to get to heaven is through Jesus Christ, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Maybe you've never heard that truth. Maybe you've been taught that if you go to VBS or if you went to Sunday school as a kid or, or if, you, if you gave enough money to the church or if you were a good enough person that that was what was necessary to get you into heaven, that you hope someday you've been good enough to get there. Well, I can promise you that you will never reach that status. That Jesus came and he had to live the life that you were incapable of living. And he paid the price for what the Bible calls your sin. And it's your sin that is separated from you from God. And it is your sin that is sending you to a place called hell. Where God is going to pour out all of his wrath and all of his judgment on sin. But Jesus came and he paid the price. He paid the debt for that sin. And he says that anyone who would freely call on his name can be saved. And so if you're here this morning and you've never called on the name of Jesus to save you, you can do that right where you are. So do it. And if you have questions about the gospel or about eternity or about the Bible or about Jesus or about anything that we've discussed, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to answer any question that you may have about who Jesus is and what he did. Heavenly Father, we are grateful and thankful today for the hope that we do have in our Savior, Jesus Christ. God, we are such a needy people. And we definitely need less of us and more of you. And so, God, I pray that we would draw close to you through your word, through prayer, and through this simple discipline of silence and solitude in our lives where we quiet all of the noise and we quiet all the distraction and we, and, we, and we quiet the chaos for just a moment so we can draw close to you and hear from you. So God, as your people, help us to be diligent, to be silent. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.